Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. And welcome to episode 37 of the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. As always, I am your host, J.P. Sticko. This episode is a special one. This episode wraps up the 2022-2023 NFL fantasy football season. And on this episode, I'm going to break down the NFL award show that happened last night. I'm also going to go into my Super Bowl preview as well as my prediction. And then, just because you listened, I am going to give you a sneak peek into my top five way, 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 way too early fantasy football PPR rankings. Again, this is my way too early rankings. However, my mind is already rocking and rolling. I am really looking forward to the 2023-2024 season. I already have the year, my first year of fantasy football podcasting under the belt. So this next year, my second year, I will dominate the competition. So I'm really excited that you are here so I can give you my sneak peek into the top five fantasy football PPR rankings for next football season. But first, let's break down the NFL award show from last night. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's roll. So if you're anything like me and you are a NFL football junkie, as well as college, just football in general junkie, you were watching the award show last night. I had some laughs. I thought it was pretty corny having the NFL players sing. Um, I didn't like much of it. However, the awards themselves are always extremely, extremely interesting. So I'm going to start off talking about the first and most important award, which is obviously the MVP. If you live under a rock and you didn't watch a single NFL game this season, I'm sorry to tell you, you probably missed out on Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does. So. The MVP award was presented to Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. This one, guys, as I just mentioned, this one was never in doubt, in my opinion. This is his second MVP award, and he obviously took this award while at Super Bowl week. So he was on virtual, and he checked in, and he said a few things, blah, 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 blah. It was pretty non, not that exciting. Why? Because, you know, he obviously deserved this award. However, a little fun fact. Did you know the last time the league MVP won the Super Bowl that year was Kurt Warner in 1999? There have been nine MVPs that play in the Super Bowl from that point, and they are 0 and 9. So this begs to ask the question, is winning the NFL MVP a jinx, a curse for the team that the NFL player plays for? Well, can Patrick Mahomes make it 1-9 and nine since 1999? A few stats from this past season of why Patrick Mahomes won the NFL MVP award this year. He passed for 5,250 yards, 41 touchdowns, and only 12 interceptions. He completed 67% of his passes this past season. Or I should say this season. Patrick Mahomes deserved this on every single level. He received 48 MVP votes. Jalen Hurts received one, and Josh Allen received one. Again, if you lived under a rock, 
You probably didn't know Patrick Mahomes was going to win, but you probably thought he was going to win because he was a favorite heading into the season. But he didn't have the receivers in which he had. People thought he was going to fall off a little bit because of no Tyree Kill. However, Patrick Mahomes is that damn special. He is a special talent. I am not taking his talent for granted. I got it on a dispute um, with somebody on Twitter. Somebody saying that if he loses his Super Bowl, does it hurt his legacy? I don't think so. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He's been to five conference championships in a row, and they hosted every single one of them. This man, even if he loses this game, his legacy is still growing from this point because he could prove, just like he did this year, he can make ordinary wide receivers extraordinary. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is a huge plus. I mean, if we look back and think about the quarterbacks that have unbelievable seasons, if they're not a rushing quarterback, like Lamar Jackson was when he won his MVP, they've always had solid tight ends. Travis Kelsey is more than just solid. He is a beast, if not the best tight end in NFL history. The next award, this award is a defensive, defensive player of the year award, and this went to Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers. Nick Bosa led the league this year with 18.5 sacks. And he adds another trophy to his trophy case because in 2019, he won the Rookie of the Year Award. And obviously, both of these awards were very much deserves, deserved. Nick Bosa is the leader of the most elite defense in the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers are the number one defense in the NFL, no matter which way you look at it. Obviously, they're better against the run than they are the pass. However, they would be a lot worse in the pass if it wasn't for the pass rush from Nick Bosa. Other guys that received uh, some votes was Hassan, Hassan Reddick, which we will see for the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend in the Super Bowl, and Quinion Williams received one vote as well. So this begs to differ. Does Nick Bosa deserve this award? Absolutely. I mean, if you lived under a rock, you would have, again, not understood or seen a game, but you probably would have felt that Nick Bosa would have had a chance, and obviously he ran away with this award, receiving 46 total votes next was offensive player of the year award and this award was given to justin jefferson for the minnesota vikings he did not reach a 2000 mark in which he said he was going to reach but he came damn close he had 128 catches 1809 yards and eight total touchdowns justin jefferson was the only non-quarterback finalist for the mvp this year so him taking home this award is obviously not shocking I still have no idea what the difference is between MVP and Offensive Player of the Year award. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put myself in the commissioner's shoes and I'm changing the MVP award to Best Quarterback of the League award. Why? Because 42 quarterbacks have won the MVP and only 18 non-quarterbacks have won the MVP in its history. So why don't we go ahead, do everybody a favor and, and do everybody, you know, the due diligence of, 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 of the aspirin and the Tylenol the day after the award ceremony and just go ahead and call the MVP award the best quarterback of the league award. Justin Jefferson re received 35 total votes, and I don't understand how Patrick Mahomes received only 10 considering he won the MVP. But again, I don't get it. I don't understand it because you would, you would think that the MVP would win his every single category in which they are in. However, Patrick Mahomes obviously did not win this award. Jalen Hurts came away with three votes. Josh Allen came away with one vote. And Tyreek Hill came away with one vote as well. Now, am I bashing Justin Jefferson at all? Absolutely not. He is the best skilled player this season, and he absolutely deserved this award. However, 
That's why I think quarterbacks need to be in their own separate category because I don't understand why Patrick Mahomes would even be in this category or even, you know, not get first place in this category considering he won MVP, which is basically the entire league wrapped into one award. So how does he not win every single category in which he was in? Needless to say, congratulations to Justin Jefferson. He is that dude. Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Okay, this is where it gets a little interesting. Okay, this is the one where everybody was watching the show and they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. What is happening, right? Why did Garrett Wilson win this award? Let's break it down. Garrett Wilson for the New York Jets caught 83 passes for 1,103 yards. But this one, in my personal opinion, should have been given to Kenneth Walker. Let me explain why. While they're tallying up the votes, they have a new system this year. No one understands it. No one gets it. It's basically, you know, rank your top three, and then you'll get points for whichever order you're in, whether how many first-place votes you get, second-place votes you get. It's all a bunch of baloney. I don't know why they changed it. It doesn't make any sense to me. However, Kenneth Walker received 19 first-place votes compared to Garrett Wilson's 18. So if you're going on first-place votes alone, rookie offensive rookie of the year should have been given to Kenneth Walker. Again. Both of these players have very bright futures. Both of these players are excellent players in, in their respective positions. But Kenneth Walker received one more first-place vote in comparison to Garrett Wilson. So in my opinion, I would have given it to Kenneth Walker III. Defensive Rookie of the Year was given to another J-E-T-S, Jet, Jet, Jets. And that man is Sauce Garner, cornerback obviously, for your New York Jets. The Jets completed the Rookie of the Year sweep and became the first team since 2017 Saints to have both the offensive and defensive Rookies of the Year. Gardner outpolled Aiden Hutchinson and, and Woolen for, the, for this honor. And obviously, my good people, the future in New York is bright. I was listening to Sports Talk Radio. I'm going to go on a tangent, right? I was listening to Sports Talk Radio. And the guy down here, uh, I don't understand. He, they're, they're big college guys, right? I live in South Carolina. They're big college guys. I guess they don't watch that much NFL. Obviously, they watch NFL, but not like I watch the NFL and you watch the NFL. And he was saying, why would Aaron Rodgers want to go to New York? They'll, he's never going to win in New York, blah, blah, blah. I think you are absolutely wrong by saying that. I think if Aaron Rodgers goes to the New York Jets, that New York Jets team immediately begins to be talked with the top teams in the NFL and immediately has a chance to win the Super Bowl. That New York Jets defense was elite. They are young. They're going to get better. That offense is elite outside of that quarterback position. Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are elite skill players. Could Aaron Rodgers on that offense, and I am telling you right now, the New York Jets are going to be a team to be reckoned with. Comeback Player of the Year award was given to Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks quarterback, obviously. He had a really, 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 really good season. Even though, you know, coming into the year, Seattle didn't even name him quarterback till after training camp. You know, he actually had a type of franchise quarterback year, right? He threw for 4,282 yards and <clears throat> in his first full season since 2014. Breaking this down a little bit, you know, obviously I'm not mad that Geno Smith won this award. I'm just mad at which the difference in which he won it by, meaning 
He won it by a large margin, a larger margin than I would have thought he would have won it by. He received 28 total votes, Christian McCaffrey, 12, Saquon Barkley, 4. And I'm just going to name only those three, Geno Smith, 28, CMC, 12, and Saquon Barkley, 4. Obviously, you've been along with this ride with me. You obviously know I'm a New York Giants fan. I truly, honestly believe, and I don't understand why Saquon Barkley only got four votes. Okay, He is the face of that team. He is the face of that offense. Everything they do revolves around him. Everybody counted him out, just like they counted Geno Smith out. We even saw it in the fantasy football rankings. In the beginning of the season, he was going in the third round, meaning early fantasy football drafts. He was going in the third round. And then obviously, once he showed that he was explosive again and he was healthy enough, he started bumping up to the second round and then eventually ended at the end of the first round in 12-team PPR leagues. CMC, Christian McCaffrey, only received 12 votes. Christian McCaffrey, going into every year, is always highly touted in terms of fantasy football. However, he went off this year, and he showed that he totally should have gotten more than 12 comeback player of the year votes, in my opinion. And then Geno Smith, again, 28 votes. However, I just think the margin of victory there, in my personal opinion, it was way too big for Geno Smith. Coach of the year, man, baby. Brian DeBall wins his coach of the year for the New York football Giants. He took the Giants from 4-13, and 13, and his first year he turned the entire franchise and culture around to be 9-7-1 and one, and got a playoff victory. People are complaining and crying about, why did he deserve it? There were a lot of good coaches. Obviously, there's a lot of good coaches, my good people, but the thing that he did best was he turned the culture around. Being a New York Giants fan, we expect playoffs and we expect winning. And we were not getting that. We have not seen it since Eli Manning retired. We have not seen it since our last Super Bowl win. So when Gabal came in, he had a huge shoes to fill in terms of fans wanting more. It would not have been enough if Gabal came in, went 500, and missed the playoffs. He went a step above, he made the playoffs, and he won a game. Okay, let's not forget the New York football giants were not supposed to make the playoffs early in the season. The bet was over under 500. When the season opened, the New York giants, would they go over under 500? He exceeded that number and again won a playoff game. Coach of the Year voting goes as follows. Obviously, the ball won with 16 votes. Kyle Shanahan, 12 votes. And Sean McDermott, 7 votes. What is the difference in team and talent between the New York Giants, San Francisco 49ers, and the Buffalo Bills? If I would have rattled those teams off, Giants, San Fran, and Buffalo, to you before the season started, would the New York Giants be listed anywhere near where the San Francisco 49ers would have finished or where the Buffalo Bills would have finished in your mind, both San Francisco and Buffalo being top five in terms of bets placed preseason for Super Bowl championships and the Giants nowhere near it. Give Brian DePaul the award. Stop complaining about it. Okay. I don't want to hear about no Nick Sirianni who once you got six votes. I understand he did. He did a very good job this year for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he has talent. The New York football Giants have no talent in the skill position outside of Saquon Barkley. And I am praying that changes for next season. 
A little snippet here for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. Guys that I seen play with my own eyes. I love Rondé Barber. He deserves this award. He was a shutdown corner in his time. Darrell Revis was the shutdown corner. Darrell Revis had an island named after him, Revis Island. He was a beast. No one threw to his side. He was literally the definition of lockdown. Zach Thomas, beast in the middle linebacker position. And then a guy that I loved to hate, meaning that I, I enjoyed watching him play when he wasn't playing my team because he played for the Dallas Cowboys and Demarcus Ware. Joe Thomas obviously deserves, deserves this award too. He was an absolute monster. And all these guys in this list deserve the award. But these are just the guys that the names rung and stuck out to me because these are the guys that I got to see play. And that wraps it up for the NFL awards that I'm going to talk about on this show because it's time now for my Super Bowl preview. Who will win and why will they win? Coming up. And welcome back to the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. And it's time to break down the Super Bowl. You know, Thinking about the Super Bowl when it first happened, the teams lined up, I wasn't really excited about it. I guess call me bitter. I guess call me a hater in some way. I just, I didn't like that both these teams were supposed to be there, right? There was real no, there's no real underdog in this game. There's no real dog to root for, right? If your team's not in the NFL uh, Super Bowl, you're usually pulling for that underdog team. But that's not the case. But the more and more as the Super Bowl approached and got closer and closer, I was like, dude. This is going to be one hell of a football game. Both teams were the number one seed in their conference playoffs. And this is something that really does not happen very often in the NFL. 13 out of the 48 times since playoff seeding was put into place, this has happened. So only 13 times has both the number one seeds reached the NFL Super Bowl. And this goes back to what I just said. You know, I was not really excited about it because there's no underdog here. Both teams, number one seeds. But the more I thought about it, again, the more I sat back and I thought, we are going to see some fireworks in this game. We are going to see, and there are storylines. There are definitely storylines in this game that I can get behind, and I'm going to get there in, in a second. All right? Eagles are a very tight favorite at one and a half points. Did you know that only four other Super Bowls in Super Bowl history had a smaller spread than this Super Bowl right now? This Super Bowl, my good people, is basically a pickle. Okay. The Eagles have seemed to be going, you know, they're getting, giving two and a half sometimes, they're dropping down to two to one and a half. It's basically all over the place. So my suggestion is I'm going to wait to wait to wait the last second to bet on this football game. I really, you know, the juice, I get the juice aspect of it all, but in my personal opinion, if it gets down to one, maybe I'll jump on it because that's even money. But if not, I'm just going to wait and see what happens and take the two, two and a half. Oh, I kind of gave away my pick, but we're going to get there in a second. But again, there is no underdog. Okay, stop. I hate these guys that are out here trying to say that Patrick Mahomes is an underdog or Jalen Hurts. You came for nothing. You know what I believe? There is no underdog in this Super Bowl. We are seeing two of the best football teams in the NFL battling it out in this year's Super Bowl. So that's really what makes me excited. Obviously, 
there shouldn't be uh, not obviously because there are some momos out there that are saying that this is an argument but there is no argument who the better quarterback in this game is okay Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in this game Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL period however this Philadelphia defense is going to make things very very hard on Patrick Mahomes and let me explain why the Philadelphia defense is the best defense in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback by only bringing four defenders. Okay? They lead the league. And the only NFL team in NFL history to have double-digit sacks on defensive play calls where they're only bringing four defenders. That is an incredible stat. Okay? And let me explain why. If you're only bringing four defenders, you have more people to drop back and play pass coverage, right? Obviously, if you're only bringing four compared to five or six. There's more people at the back end of your defense to protect from the pass. Hassan Redick is amazing defender. He is very, very good, obviously winning some uh, votes in the Defensive of Player of the Year award this year, and he is going to test Patrick Mahomes' ankle all game long. Andy Reid has come out and he said that Patrick Mahomes is able to run everything they have in place. There is no limitations on Patrick Mahomes this this week in the Super Bowl. Everyone stop worrying about it. But again, this is the NFL Super Bowl. There will be smoke. There will be shade. There will be lies. So, is Andy Reid lying to us or is Patrick Mahomes 90 to 100% on that ankle? Well, I'll tell you right now, Hassan Reddick will let us know early how Patrick Mahomes is feeling on that ankle. Eagles were the number one team in sacks with 70 total sacks this year. And Kansas City, surprisingly and quietly, finished second with 55 sacks. 70 to 55, my people, my good people, for a first place and a second place sack leader team is a huge difference. Huge difference. We're talking about difference of 15 sacks, if my math is correct. 70 to 55. That's a huge difference. This Eagles defense is fierce. They're fast. They're smart. And they play angry. They cause absolute havoc. Okay? Bringing four and dropping seven. But they're not good at everything. If you watch Philadelphia football and if you've Red tabloids, and you listen to my podcast all year long. I was saying you could run on this Philly defense. They were the sixth worst ranked team against the run. However, what do we know about the Kansas City Chiefs? They get their yards through the air and they start with the pass and then go to the run. They don't start with the run to set up the pass. So, what are we going to see this week? Is, is Pacheco going to run wild? Or are the Kansas City Chiefs going to say, you know what, we're just going to beat you because our offense, in our mind, is better than your defense. We think Patrick Mahomes is healthy and he will pick you apart with your four-man rush. But there is something to know. In the games where Kansas City lost this year, teams were only rushing four in comparison to the games in which they were blitzing Patrick Mahomes. So that tells me Patrick Mahomes does a better job against the blitz than he does against dropping seven and bringing four. Think about it, right? Patrick Mahomes gets out of the pocket, throws a beautiful ball over the middle to Travis Kelsey 99.9% .9 of the time. 
Why is he out of the pocket if it's not a designed uh, out-of-the-pocket pass? It's because he's got pressure in his face from the blitz. Patrick Mahomes does a better job against the blitz than he does when you bring four and drop seven, which the Philadelphia Eagles do well. So the key, in my opinion, to this game is can the Eagles get enough pressure for four quarters, bringing only four guys? Because again, that makes Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. He likes the blitz. He likes to get the ball out quick. And if you're dropping seven, getting the ball out quick is a lot harder because you have those linebackers sitting in the quick pass game lanes. Slants are going to be covered. Hitches are going to be covered. But can they do it? Can they only bring four and get enough pressure on Patrick Mahomes to make him uncomfortable for all four quarters? I don't think so. I believe that is going to be one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen. We, I've, my, I've seen a lot of good Super Bowls, right? We've all seen them. Um, there's been amazing Super Bowls. So I'm not going to say this is going to be the best Super Bowl ever because I just don't know. But what I can guarantee is that this should be a very good game. I could see this being tied to the very end, but I think Patrick Mahomes pulls some Patrick Mahomes magic and the Kansas City Chiefs win this game 31 to 28 only solidifying the legacy that is Patrick Mahomes. As I promised, I'm going to give you guys a little glance into my way-too-early top five PPR fantasy players in the 2023-2024 season. I really am going against what I like to do. I like to stack up on running backs early. It's just something I've always done. However, I think the game has officially changed. And I, and I, can't, I can't go down with this ship any longer because receivers now that are the top receivers are absolutely eating out there on every single Sunday and Monday nights and Thursday nights. They are blowing past some of the, the you know, the five to 10 range running backs that you may grab early on in the draft. So I had to change my approach. I'm not going to lie. I'm changing my approach this year. We'll see how it goes. I did do very, very well in fantasy this past year or this current season. You know, I won my two of my big money leagues. If you're following me on Twitter, you know, I'm trying to help you guys out as much as I can, but my draft strategy this year is going to change a little clue. And again, next week's next week's episode, I'm going to break down why and I'm even more in depth on my top five. I'm even going to give it going to my top 10. And then I'm going to start doing my college um, scouting. I'm going to do all that for you guys on my podcast, but I left out a big name on my top five. Can you guys guess the big name in which I left out in my top five? Think about it, right? You got all these big time names. Do you think, who do you think I left out? Well, if you guessed Austin Eckler, you're absolutely correct. Oh, go, oh, go, go. guys. Call off the dogs, okay? Call off the dogs. I left out Austin Eckler on my top five for now. Okay, I repeat, for now. Austin Eckler finished as a number four overall PP, PPR player in fantasy football leagues and the number one skill position player. Hey, JP, are you crazy? How are you leaving this guy off? Well, I'm telling you, I'm leaving him off my top five. And I'm going to get there in a second. He had a total of 375 fantasy football points. Listen, guys, I love Austin Eckler. I always have. He's the little engine that could. Okay? I love him. I love the way he plays. He's very versatile in the pass and in the run game. He's extremely effective in the red zone. But listen, LA Chargers have a new offensive coordinator in Joe Lombardi. 
and his first press conference, Joe Lombardi comes out as offensive coordinator of the LA Chargers, comes out and he explains that he wants to build up the running back room so that the Chargers can save Eckler a tad for the long haul of the season. So are you saying Austin Eckler is not going to be a top, no, top 10? No, I'm not saying he's not going to be top 10. But for now, I am weary about drafting a guy where his new offensive coordinator is coming out saying that we're going to not give him as much run throughout the season so he can be fresher later on in the season. Again, this is top five, okay, not 10, five. Again, my super early top five. So, again, I promised you a glance into my top five, and here they are. In order, as of right now, I am going to go with CMC. He is a beast. He's in San Francisco, which people thought was a bad move for his fantasy football outlook. However, they were extremely wrong. Elijah Mitchell scares me a little bit. He's going to get some carries. But if we saw anything out of CMC, he's extremely explosive in the passing game. And I think that continues in San Francisco. Injuries, always a concern. But guys, stop worrying about the injury. You can't predict. You can't. You can never guess. It's just, it, I'm sorry, it's always a guessing game. Injuries are a guessing game. CMC was extremely healthy this year. Give me CMC at one. Number two, again, I told you I'm changing it up. I'm going to draft Justin Jefferson. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL, if not the best skill player in the NFL. He's explosive, and he will win you multiple weeks. Just him alone. Next, number three, this one is a little controversial. This guy is falling outside of the top five in many fantasy experts rankings, but I have him here at three. I think Jonathan Taylor bounces back and he bounces back in a huge way. Running backs are known to have a bad season. And and this was his bad season. He was banged up all year long, tried to play through it. His offensive line was shuffling around. They didn't know who was starting, what position, where, who, what, blah, blah. Give me Jonathan Taylor for a bounce back season for the Colts. They're going to get better at the quarterback position through the draft. Trust me, Jonathan Taylor is going to be a beast. Next up, number four, Cooper Cup. No shocker here. Some people have him as low as six, seven. I have him here at four as my way too early fantasy football rankings. He was balling before his injury. Balling. Do I think he has that type of volume next year? No, because I don't think they want him to get hurt like he did this year. But he is a PPR machine. He is the best route runner in the NFL. Give me that all day. It is important to keep your eye on Matthew Stafford's elbow. Let's see how that progresses throughout training camp and the summer. But again, Cooper Cup is just simply that good to ignore. And number five, which really, really goes against my my earlier or my previous draft strategies, I'm taking Travis Kelsey at five. Say all you want. He's old. He's washed. His decline is coming. They've been saying that for about him for three years. Did you see any decline this year? I mean, the, the guy refuses not to be good. At a position that was absolutely horrendous this year, give me Kelsey as early as I possibly can grab him, and I'm going to be thrilled. Our live shows that I put on with Fitz on Sunday, everybody had tight end questions because everybody struggled at the tight end position outside of Travis Kelsey Holmes. Do yourself a favor. Do your blood pressure a favor and go grab Travis Kelsey as early as number five. If Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback in Kansas City, which he sure will be, I am drafting Travis Kelsey. I told you it was just going to be a little snippet, but that is my top five way, 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 way too early. CMC one, Justin Jefferson two, Jonathan Taylor three, 
Cooper Cup four, and Travis Kelsey five. All right, my good people, that is going to put a bow here on the final episode of the 2022-2023 Fantasy NFL Today podcast. I just want to thank every single one of you guys. You guys have really, really, really made this so enjoyable for me. Thank you so much for everybody interacting with me on my Twitter. It makes this job so much easier for me because it gives me talking points. All right? Please make sure that you are subscribing and you are following this podcast. I am going to start rapid firing podcast when as this Super Bowl and this season comes to an end. You're not going to want to miss an episode because if you miss an episode, I'm telling you, you're going to fall behind. Again, I love every single one of you. Thank you for coming along on my first year on this ride of podcasting. It's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to next year. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I'll see everybody next week. Peace, love, and fantasy football.